Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, let's jump right in because we have a lot of news Ooh, for the people. Longtime listeners of the podcast know that some heroes of ours are famed vocal noise maker Michael Winslow and then famed Siamese twins Chang and Ying Bunker. The Siamese twins. The original Siamese twins and yeah. they are both in the news. I actually want to start with Chang and Ying because sure. how are they in the news? There's apparently a statue of them that is going to be built, I believe, in Mount Airy where they- Wait, for spent- real? Where they spent most of their life. This is for real. This is for real. I didn't know that's what the news. <laughs> oh yeah, was. this is this is for real. Um, obviously, you don't check your email because I sent you a screenshot of the. I'm at the gym and I got so excited. I took a picture of the TV of the news. It probably went to spam. I need to know about this statue. Like, is it just the two of them standing there? I, I hope it's like, the two of them with their. 20,000 kids you know, around. Statue of everybody. Everybody. And I want to know who's going to build it. Yep. Because it feels like this could be potentially a problematic situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that, previous guest of the show, Matt Purdy, pointed out, he goes, wait a second, we're tearing down statues of racists everywhere, and we're building <laughs> one of these two guys who were proud Confederate slave fathers owners. and slave owners. That's right. Yeah. Also, well, why would they want to build a statue of these guys? All right, what's our next bit of news? Michael Winslow, Mm -hmm. Police Academy fame, has been blowing up the old internets this week because apparently he was on Norwegian TV, a talk show, and they do a whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin with Michael Winslow doing Robert Plant better than Robert Plant can do Robert Plant. I'm going to play just a little clip of it because when I saw it, I had to look twice. I knew what was going to happen, but it didn't matter. It's amazing. Like, I wasn't impressed here, yeah. but then... I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> Man, that fuzz guitar, I mean, that's the part that I just couldn't believe. Still going at it. In Norwegian. He needs to come back home. <laughs> yeah, as if that wasn't fun enough. We're glad to be back with another installment of Kenny Gmail. Kenny Gmail is our opportunity to share authentic, real fan mail from the listeners. And we get so much of it. Daily. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to share it with the fans. So send us an email at finestworksongs at Gmail. The Gmail's where it's at. The Gmail. The Gmail's where it's at. So the first one today is in response to our Tribe Called Quest epipod. Okay. And this one comes from Dahlia Anselm Libby. She writes... Hallo, ich find jure abinde richtig toll und werde die gerne wiederhein an Hüsen und verfolgen. It started off German and then yeah. it moved to Swedish chef. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> it could be either one. I have no idea. Did you Google Translate it? No, should I? Yeah. Let's see what see. happens. Hi. That's what hello was. Oh, okay, oh yeah, I had that one. Yeah. Hi, I think your evenings are really great and will continue to watch and follow them. Ew. It's a German stalker? Swedish stalker. German Swedish stalker. Oh my gosh. Matt, that's a coded message. Oh man, I shouldn't have read that. Is that to you or to me? Where who are they stalking? What's that noise? <laughs> We've got another one um in response to our Willie Nelson redheaded stranger epipod. And mm. this one comes from Corny Roderick Flem. <laughs> Wait, Flem is Flem. the last name? F-L-E-M, not like the stuff you get in your phone. Okay. At this time, I'm going away to do my breakfast later than having my breakfast coming yet again to read additional news. <laughs> Wait, read that again. 
<laughs> At this time, I'm going away to do my breakfast. <laughs> Later than having my breakfast coming yet again to read additional news. Thanks for uh, commenting, yeah. Flim. We have time for one more. Sure. <laughs> this is in response to Orium Green Part 2. Okay. And this comes from Brooke Z. Danielle. It's interesting that all of our fans have three names yeah, and they always list all three names. They're very formal. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. After I initially commented, I appear to have clicked the notify me when new comments are added checkbox. And from now on, each time a comment is added, I receive four emails with the exact same comment. There has to be an easy method. You can remove me from that service. I didn't know we offered that service. <laughs> I had no idea. We'll spam you if you want. Sign up for yeah. it. <laughs> you check the notify me box. Listen, Brooke, our website is as much a mystery to us as it is to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that we could offer no help to you. Yeah, We'll get we'll get our IT department on yeah. that right away. Good luck to you, Brooke. As if Kenny Gmail wasn't fun enough, we have another great album to talk about today. And we are so glad to have a guest with us today. So James Curl is with us. James. Yeah. Woo! I love the applause. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, We've been talking about doing this one for a while, so it's, it's good to have you. I'm a little worried that all of your Kenny Gmail respondents have three names, because typically that's like Assassins, you know, like Ooh. Lee Harvey Oswald, oh, man. James Earl Ray. The Stalker. Yeah, the German, German, German stalker. Swedish Stalker. All right, so James, what album are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about the self-titled first release from Ben Folds 5. James, I'm interested in your choice. There's no judgment in that. <laughs> really? Because it sure sounded like it. It really Ooh. did. I realized as it came out, it sounded so judgmental. But I'm, I'm just curious. So Ben Folds, first album. So this came out in 95. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was living in Los Angeles, me and a buddy of mine, we were working for this guy. He had sent us on an errand to go pick up one of our associates and like a, a briefcase. My buddy uh, Jules, he was driving and we were on our way to go pick up our associate Marvin plus this briefcase. I was telling him about this trip that I had taken to Amsterdam uh-huh. and I was really just excited about sharing with him the, some of the differences, like, you know, how they use the metric system right? and eat a lot of mayonnaise and stuff. So anyway, he said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about like spirituality mm-hmm. and philosophy. Oh, speaking of philosophy, you should listen to this band that I just heard of out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh-huh. called Ben Folds Five. Squirrel zippers. Oh, yeah. Ben Folds Five. <laughs> and he popped in uh, Ben Folds. And that was the first time. Yeah. How, how did that day end for you? <laughs> well, you know, it was. It was. How did it end for Marvin? I, well, I shot Marvin in the face. It was very unfortunate. <laughs> but you know, Jules hit a bump, and it happens. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> well, what's funny though is because Matt, you typically pick a movie from the year that the album was released. I think I try to. Yeah. Well, I goofed up and thought that this album came out in '94 when it actually came out in '95. That's it, the best movie that came out in any of those surrounding years. Though, so. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. This is a yeah, perfect pick. But I don't think it won the Oscar that year. Yeah. Didn't Forrest Gump win the Oscar? Yeah, '94. Yeah, because yeah. it's kind of one of those looking back. Yeah, it was like, they messed up. Forrest Gump was the can't slow down of that year. That's right. Yeah. That's a good yeah. That's Going up against comparison. like Purple Rain and yep, 
and uh, everything Bruce, else. <laughs> Bruce. Yeah, and Tina and Cindy. The real story on uh, this album, well, why I picked it, is because Matt and I covered sports for NC State. I was in school at the time. Matt, you just graduated, I think. And I can actually tell you the specific date because it was the date of the Clemson game. Okay. September 13th, 1997. There you go. After the game, we're leaving and I'm riding with Matt and he pops in a mixtape. And the first song that came on was Philosophy. I had grown up just on a steady diet in rural North Carolina of like classic rock and mm-hmm. jazz, oddly. So naturally, I love Steely Dan. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was unlike anything I had ever really heard mm-hmm. before. I was immediately hooked. I still have that mixtape somewhere. It was oh, nice. Philosophy, Julianne, Underground, and uh, then Uncle Walter. Because those were the four songs. It was a long ride from Carter <laughs> Finley. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of traffic. <laughs> immediately ran out and grabbed me a copy of it and just played it and played it and played it and played it and i love it that's a great story that you remember the moment and it was in the car after the game Mm -hmm. and it just jumped out of you that's not often that music will jump out especially like you're hanging out you're after the game it's not like you're he didn't make you a mix and you're pouring over it yeah when you you guys say you covered the game what does that mean uh sports Sports writing yeah sports sports writing writing, yeah for the student newspaper yeah Yeah, so i was a sports writer and matt had just graduated and i think you were working for the wolfpacker magazine yeah i was was working for something probably we were there as sports writers covering and that was easily the most effective mixtape i ever made (laughs) (laughs) never got a date out of one but (laughs) (laughs) you started a lifelong love of ben folds five and ben folds that's right for your buddy that's yep. perfect matt what's your memory as we talked about on the nirvana epipod you know there was this time when music people were looking for the next spot and mm-hmm. the research triangle area was kind of it for a, a brief moment and you and i being like Connell's fans like i was already kind of locked into like there's great music here it was very diverse fans like the Connells, you had super chunk you had archers of loaf you had squirrel nut zippers and then you have Ben Folds 5, which is just this, you said, James, just this weird combination of instruments that you don't really get in pop music. And mm-hmm. they had already developed by that time such a, a name in this area for you know, being a great live show. And everybody was talking about Ben Folds 5. Yeah, the thing that stinks for me coming to it in 97 was they had just released Whatever and Ever Amen. Mm-hmm. And Brick, I don't know if it had already been released as a single, but it was starting to get some traction. Like if I had found them the previous year, yeah. I probably could have seen them at you know, Cat's Cradle or yeah, something. Yeah, Cat's Cradle or the mm-hmm. brewery. I mean, they, you know, they really blew up that year mm-hmm. in 97. This album, more so than Whatever and Ever Amen, is the one that I keep coming back to. They headlined some, like a radio station concert at Walnut Creek mm-hmm. when Brick was out, six months after it had been huge. And it's a radio station festival, so like probably 10% of the people only knew them for Brick. Ben Folds at one point goes, well... I guess we got to play the hit. And everyone's like, woo! And they play Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Nice. Like they never played Brig. Because I think they never that, played They it. never played it. By that point, what? I think they were just like, we're, we're yeah. over that song. Well, and if you're a Ben Folds fan, you're partly there for kind of the sardonic yep. humor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. the fact that he didn't play Brick and played Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. You signed up for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah. he's going to do. But yeah. it definitely, I'm sure, weeded out half of the crowd. Like yeah. half the crowd who was there for Brick was disappointed because that's all they knew. Right. And then the people who were the local heads who had been following them religiously for the last few years, well, I'm sure were it. like thrilled. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What's your What's your memory of Ben Folds 5? Interesting story, Matt. A couple years back, I was I uh, coached basketball. Oh, yeah. I was pretty successful until I got into some trouble and got fired because I hit a kid. Mm. My life fell apart. Fast forward a little bit, got it back together and was able to 
get another coaching job, mm-hmm. but it was in a mm-hmm. very small town in Indiana. Mm. It was a tough gig, man. It was all I could get. There were only seven players. The mm. star player in the town yeah. wasn't on the team. And then uh, at the first practice, I kicked this one kid out. I didn't hit him. And another player went with him. So at that point, I think we only had like four players or something. That's what you got to do. Yeah. You got to build from the ground up. So I focused on passing and dribbling. We'll talk shooting later, but we're going to master <laughs> those two things. And in fact, when we did get to shooting, I made them pass it four times before ever taking a shot. That was my style, as well as a very slow, boring defensive style. Sure. There's a school now that has adapted my ways, unnamed school in the ACC. Okay. Virginia's, <laughs> as we uh, kept going, it started to work. The star came back. We even made it to the state championship. So we're at the state championship. Comes down towards the end. Our star player goes to take a shot, and the other coach yells, Brick! Oh, <laughs> man. And I was like, nobody's going to throw a brick at my player unless it's me, you know? And then, like, we got into a fight, and the ref came over, and the ref was like, guys, 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 settle down. Also, Really funny. When you said brick, I was thinking of that Ben Folds yeah, 5 song. Naturally. And then that ref turned me on to Ben Folds 5 and yeah. went back and found this album. Man. Who's your uh, favorite <laughs> basketball player of all time? <laughs> yeah, interestingly, that first of all, that movie is amazing. Uh, I went and saw that with my dad. My dad grew up in Kentucky, played basketball. He's 84. So he was playing in the early 50s. This is yeah. when he was playing. Wow. And when we watched, and at the end of the game, Jimmy goes up, takes this jump shot. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, my dad was like, we didn't have jump shots like that back then. He's <laughs> like, because he was very much like it was yeah. a set shot. Yeah, it was a set shot. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And then when Jimmy did the windmill dunk. <laughs> At the end, to punctuate things. Yeah. That was not I mean, accurate. Under his legs. <laughs> All right. Should we jump into this album? Let's do, do it. it. We let the guests pick. And James, we're you, skipping the first one. Matt said, give us four or five. And, mm-hmm. and I had a really difficult time getting down just to fives. And I love Jackson Cannery. It's a great opening song to the album. But track two is where we'll start with philosophy. This is the song. The song that hooked me. Yeah. Ben, to me, like his vocal style, 
I connect with it because it's not someone like a Freddie Mercury or Robert Plant who has just an incredible voice that's mm-hmm. like a one in a billion style of voice. It feels very everyman. Mm-hmm. It, it cracks at times. Yep. You know, it, it, it wavers a little bit. It's never perfect. In fact, I'd love to know what Ben's thoughts are on the auto-tune purveyance that you know, there is now because yeah. he would be someone who I'm sure a, a modern studio would say, hey, we could really fix that. I'm sure he would say no. Yeah, I, I can't explain exactly what it was or, or what I must have thought listening to it on that day, on that mm-hmm. car ride, but just hearing the bass come in, obviously in addition to Ben Folds, you've got Darren Jesse on mm-hmm. drums and Robert Sledge on bass, and that's it. It's just a three-man group, but they get so much sound out of what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think Sledge played as a bassist in like a, a metal band or something. Oh, really? Yeah, metal punk band or whatever. So he, he was adept at bringing a lot of sound out of his bass. Darren's drumming is great too. It just, mm-hmm. it, it really brought me in. Like I said, at the end of the song where it concludes with that Gershwin lick, it just, all I knew of Gershwin really was just the uh, United Airlines <laughs> commercials. <laughs> Yeah, I mentioned I like jazz or grew up listening to jazz. Like that was one of the things that I enjoyed about jazz is that you would recognize bits and pieces of music that you mm-hmm. know musicians would lift to incorporate into their solos when they're trading fours or whatever. That felt like a moment where like if Ben was improving on stage, like oh hey, let me throw in a Gershwin look yeah, and just see no. what people think. I also love that he also has this way to kind of break down the fourth wall, if you will, and then mm-hmm. you know, ends with and now it's time for the song to end. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean it's kind of like didn't have another line to say and then let's, let's <laughs> right. just go with it. And yeah. I think they recorded this in like just the house in Chapel Hill. If I understand correctly. They recorded this one in the studio, but the Whatever okay. Never Amen was recorded okay. in the house. It's well recorded, but they leave the warts in. It definitely predates the, the auto-tune era. There's an aesthetic to it. It made me think about Ben Folds as he's growing up, and he's this obviously trained pianist. And what direction do you go? You can go classical, you can go jazz, you can go... I mean, just like any instrument, but piano itself, if you're going to go into a rock group, you've got... Elton John and Billy Joel. That's kind of it. Mm -hmm. It seemed like that's not his style. Mm -hmm. And to me, the savior is the fuzz bass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If he didn't have that fuzz bass, he could be playing the same thing and it would not pop out the way that it does. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what makes them a little punk and a little rough around the edges is that tone of that bass. And the other thing about this song and others on the album is that I've never liked schlocky songs that are like hey you can do it you're the best you know mm-hmm. stick to it you know he approached it in a way here that i think it yeah. works he, it, do, it, he does it with like <laughs> like a wink in his eye yeah and, and i winked literally then just to make <laughs> yeah, sure you guys good. knew it, it was an audible good. wink yeah <laughs> <laughs> to me one of the great things that ben is able to do through his songwriting is that he uses plain language in a lot of ways mm-hmm. You know, Matt, you you and I both are English majors, and I'm sure we took plenty of creative writing classes. One of the things that we were taught was show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Ben is so good at painting pictures with his words in a very economical space. Like mm-hmm. in just the span of a few lines, he can instantly put you in a place that's familiar to all of us. Even the next song we're going to talk about, you know the crowd that he's talking about. We can be happy
I'm not a Ben Falls fan, not in any negative way. Just, yeah. you know, had friends who listened to it. It was kind of one of those albums that everyone else had, these mm-hmm. albums. Mm-hmm. But this is one that jumped out at me, and it just, I love it for so many reasons. One is that there's this kind of Stevie Wonder 70s, like you could see someone stepping down the street. Here he comes. You know, like <laughs> yeah. generally that's used for some big character, some John Travolta type yeah. walking down the street in Center mm-hmm. Night Fever. But instead, it's talking about the opposite. There's no attention on them. There's no spotlight. It's mm-hmm. it's more like you don't notice that person. Musical swagger mixed with the concept of being, you know, an outcast. Yeah. I was one of those outcasts growing up. You know, everybody, I'm sure, has moments where they have felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, like, you know, the part where he says, there was this girl who passed me by. She gave me a smile, but I was shy. I looked down. Mm-hmm. So down. There have been moments where I have thought in retrospect, wait, she smiled at maybe you know, maybe she didn't think I was a horrible monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. But we've all had, I think, those moments where we just have felt very like ashamed or mm-hmm. frightened by the moment. James, you mentioned you know how he's economical with his lyrics and that part about Officer Friendly's little boy has a mohawk and he yeah. knows where we're coming from. I mean, like that one line mm-hmm. paints a picture of the kid of the Police officer. Officer friendly, pillar of the community, right. yeah. has raised a child who hates his parents <laughs> and and his music and wants to wear a mohawk and yeah. be, you know, outcast. with it, With his people. Yeah. yeah. Ben sits in a position of, I don't know if you'd call it satire, but he's pointing a finger, but mm-hmm. not in a cruel way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything in this song that he's saying, it's just like, hey, don't take yourself so seriously. I was reading about his early life leading up to forming Ben Folds 5. He had gotten a percussion scholarship to the University of Miami and then failed out. He said that all he would do after that is just run scales with a metronome, like just for hours on end. You also see the portrait of a guy who's kind of been traumatized by failing out of school yeah, Mm -hmm. and feeling like I've got to focus and devote myself to this thing. There's a lot of scar tissue. I I think Ben's been married like maybe three times or something. Five. Five times? Mm -hmm. Oh. Ben Folds is five. Yeah, wives. I didn't even think ben about folds that. Five. <laughs> he had the Ben Folds five. He divorced the the third, and he was just like, well, I might as well keep going. Yeah, can you need to do it in threes or five? He's like, I, I love alliteration. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Interestingly, about the percussion, years ago, I was in a band and we recorded and we came and mastered it down in Carborough. He was talking about Ben Folds, and he said that piano is actually his third best instrument. Whoa. Yeah. Drums is first, bass is second. Wow. And then piano. It just Jeez. I've never forgotten it because it floored me. Yeah. I thought I'd love to hear him play drums. Right. The his first solo album, which was Rock in the Suburbs, mm-hmm. he played all the instruments on the album. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I had I had heard too that and in reading about Ben's kind of backstory that yeah, like he had started out not with piano being the focus. He had gotten a scholarship to the University of Miami for yeah. percussion. I'm sure that you can pick apart that and, and see where he plays piano in a very percussive way. Yeah. Um, if you've ever watched video of him playing, he doesn't sit down. He's he's yeah. kind of hunched over and driving the weight of his body into the keys. It's like Jerry Lee Lewis. You know, like <laughs> That's a good point. Before I mentioned Elton John and, and Billy Joel, but no, this is Jerry Lee. So I completely kind of blanked yeah, on Yeah, he kind of reminds me. It was like Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, plus Elton John, plus Weird Al. This is a band that you hear and you think, man, I bet that live show is insane. Oh, yeah. I had the uh, opportunity to see them, it was either 97 or 98, at the Cat's Cradle. And that was the perfect place to see them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in, in that time, they were big, were yeah. still big. place was packed. They just had so much fun with the crowd. It has a little bit of that sloppy bar feel. Piano Man? 
Yeah, it's like it's like dueling piano bar, right? <laughs> no, just thinking about Darren drumming that hard and also singing that delicate falsetto. Yeah, it's gonna have that live feel to it, but that adds to it. Yeah, people are singing along, and you're not there to look for like the perfect pitch on every single thing. Right, so you're there to rock out. Yeah, yeah. Next song we're gonna cover is Uncle Walter. I think we all know Uncle Walters now. Yeah. Especially now. Especially now. Yeah. 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 It is it's prescient in so many ways mm-hmm. to the environment we now live in. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wrote this in 94, 95 or whatever. And I'm thinking, was cable news really a, a problem then? And I guess there were, like, you know, there was like the Rush Limbaughs of the world. But there, yeah, but there, on radio <clears throat> at yeah. that time. This is basically the embodiment of your crazy uncle who's been force-fed cable news. I mean, depending on either side of the spectrum politically yeah, where yeah. you fall, you know, you you have sources that can feed you what you want to hear. Yeah. And so, yes, we all have an Uncle Walter in our life who will sit you down and give you a 50-minute lecture oh on gosh. the drug wars. The mindset. I am completely right. Yes. I know all the sides. And that's what the song is saying. Like, Uncle Walter, you know, he flew to Baghdad. He was there. Like, <laughs> he like, speaks with the authority of someone who, who was there, yeah, you know? Yeah. You can just picture somebody who's just very adamant about their point of view. They're spit flying out of their mouth. Yeah. And ben is stuck here at his house with his friend's uncle. Right. I think it's purposeful that it's an uncle, not his dad. Someone that you can be legitimately mad at and not have any consequences to. I don't know if it qualifies as satire, but it basically just, it points out how ludicrous political discourse can be. In this context of 1994, 1995, it's funny. You know, you kind of get a kick out of it because, oh, we, we all know those people. The Uncle Walters have become like angry 25 years later. Mm-hmm. And maybe Uncle Walter in this case is angry. The environment has changed just a little bit in that respect. Yeah, we've given a platform to all the Uncle Walters of the world for them to go on social media. Yeah. yeah. His writing on this album is very college age. Yes. It feels like mm-hmm. the perfect time that you would listen to it because mm-hmm. you're frustrated with this older person. Yeah. If you're a youth, you're stuck. If you're early 20s, Uncle Walter at 50 sees himself as a teacher. 
I'm teaching you what's the truth. Yeah. Two fifty year olds are not going to have that same kind of conversation. Right, right. It won't be a lecture. It will be a conversation. Yeah. The, Uncle Walter's delivering a lecture. Same with underground. You don't have a forty five year old talking about like somebody who's and yeah pits yeah. And... It's like it's it's kind of that's the age when people go to college and they would start to high school too, but maybe start to find that underground. But you know, as I went through the album, like all of the stories and all the names and well, the names sound all sound like old people. <laughs> it's like well Howard Cosell, but Howard, you know, and Alice, and like all these old people names. But it just felt very, very youthful. That's mm-hmm. the perfect time to find this album is college. All right, next song, the last polka. piano as it fades out yeah it reminds me of late 70s billy joel mm-hmm. that those, i don't know those chords mm-hmm. that he's playing. Mm-hmm. what's interesting is that i hate billy joel <laughs> hey i'm with you yeah we're gonna uh, i'm waiting for billy joel to come on not this podcast but to come up and i just oh bring it billy joel come on and defend yourself yeah you, like a, you're gonna start a second podcast that's called worst work songs or, <laughs> yeah we just cover crappiest work the worst billy albums joel. that would be fun <laughs> What is, uh, what's the song about? Uh, a telling of the end of a relationship. The moment where both parties realize that everything's falling apart. Okay. Again, the economy of language, you know, just in the first eight lines, you get two very clear pictures of who these two people are. It opens where, you know, the woman is creeping back into the house at half past three. Mm-hmm. And then she says, if you really love me, I wouldn't have to be so mean. So it's clear that she's been sleeping around on this guy. Gotcha. When Ben portrays uh, the guy in this situation, he's the heap of junk that pours from his top drawer, sometimes likes to spread it out around the floor, evidence of what he was like. He likes to remember when. So he's a guy stuck in his youth, mm-hmm. the nostalgia. And he can't grow up. He can't move on and invest himself in the relationship. You know, he's mm-hmm. in his mid-20s, and he's writing so eloquently about the fracturing of a uh, relationship with his first wife. He's writing this song with her. Well, I wasn't sure who Anna Goodman was, but that uh, makes sense. And that adds a layer. It, you know, if it's semi or even fully autobiographical. Yeah. You see artists do that all the time where they just pour themselves out into what they do. When we covered the Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks, it was clear that oh, that yeah. was his divorce album. Yep. Yeah. And you saw that, all the feelings coming out on the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I was so emotionally attached to this song, and maybe you guys have had this experience where you you found something, your what you feel like is your musical voice, mm-hmm. and you just gotta share it with everybody that you can. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, riding in the back of my family's minivan when I'm like 19 years old, which is way too old to be stuck in the back of a minivan <laughs> with your family. We were on a trip in the mountains, and I was like, all right. I'm going to make them listen to The Last Polka nice. and show them what I'm really into. This is me. This mom. is who I am. Yeah, And that always goes exactly how you want it to. <laughs> well, yeah. it went exactly as uh, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. I, I had them play that, and I'm sitting there like, you hear like, that? Yeah, this you is, hear that? You hear this, this is real. And nothing from anybody yeah. in the car. That's no right. reaction. No, not, not That's even nice, dear. Not even that. That would have been like acknowledgement. Like it's not not a single clue that it even like landed at and all. You're like, who brought tumbleweed in the car? <laughs> there it goes. You know, just more evidence that this was my thing and not anybody else's. Yeah. in my family, the raw emotion of it, it's, it's there. I still feel it every time I listen to it. Yeah, he doesn't hold back on the emotion in this album, but especially as he ends the album yeah. with this last song. Boxing's been good to me Who in a pop trio that incorporates fuzz bass concludes an album with a waltz? He's using that format to talk about a concept that you would think for someone in their mid-20s would, should be foreign to them, which is basically someone who's washed up. A story of a guy who had a, a boxing career. It doesn't really say how successful they were. Uh, it's clear now that he's not able to step into the ring and not be the aggressive yeah. Uh, pugilist that he once was he's now just you know hanging on for dear life I've, I've always assumed it was Muhammad Ali since it's Howard I mean because they had such a close relationship if anyone was going to have a conversation with Howard about their boxing career yeah it'd be Muhammad Ali it is a song I agree that you wouldn't think would come from the perspective of someone at this age but it's also like, hey, don't go too far down that road, Ben Folds, of the piano man yeah. telling the stories about the people retiring. <laughs> like, you're going to find yourself in that piano bar if you keep going down that road. That's right. I tried to imagine Ben Folds at a dueling pianos bar, like the other pianists be like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he would be so funny and quick. I've seen him on TV, like that, that acapella show. He was a judge. Mm-hmm. Everything he said, I was floored by because his grasp of the notes and the music and everything was unlike anybody has seen similar to like a rivers Cuomo in that he, he was, you know, yes, he was brought up on different styles of music, but he, he has a love of popular music. And there's a line in this album where he talks about, you know, girl that looks like Axl Rose. By that point you think, oh man, Guns N' Roses was probably passe, especially for a piano punk trio to be talking about. But yet I would guess part of him appreciated stuff like Guns N' Roses. Clearly he's a student of culture and everything that's going on. And so his ability to pull in these, these references that anyone can relate to, Mm -hmm. whether you're the jock or the loser or the the uncle or, or whatever you can relate. You at least understand. All right. So we're at that point, tough choice for you, James, but we are at the point where uh, we challenge one another if you had to remove a song, which one would it be? And so Ben Foles is going to write a scathing <laughs> song about you. If you don't. 
remove a song from this album. Yeah. Let's start with you, James. If you had to, which song would it be? I actually did not have one picked out until I was driving here today. It was that tough. But mm-hmm. I think I'm going to take uh, Where's Summer Be. There's a lot of uh, remarkable songs in this album. I don't know. There's a whole lot that's remarkable about that particular song. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit plotting in some places. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Summer Bee off. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Actually, for me, it's boxing. For all the reasons you mentioned, Ben Folds is just this immaculate songwriter who can paint pictures and who can weave a tale as good as anybody. But I like my Ben Folds 5 you know, with Ben kicking the stool back, mm-hmm. the fuzz bass and the drums loud and those high falsetto harmonies. To me, if you end the album with the last polka, you're going out on a Ben Folds 5 note. Boxing to me seems like this is the precursor of what's going to come with future Ben Folds solo stuff. Right. Um, which is great. I like it in its own way. But for Ben Folds 5, all, all three of the five <laughs> on my Ben Folds 5. I mean, you, so. you absolutely could have ended the album on the last polka, and it would have been great. Mm-hmm. Boxing feels, uh, I don't know if coda is the right term, or epilogue maybe, mm-hmm. kind of like as you're walking out of the theater while the credits are playing. Like mm-hmm. It's a beautiful song. That's why yep. I, I love it. But yeah, absolutely, you could end it on last polka. What about you, Matt? You're going to hate me for this. It would be last polka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got tired of the polka beat. Yeah. Honestly, that that was it. I don't love that beat anyway, so it was kind of like a strike against him even doing that. Yeah. Right. But that's what it came down to. You hate Weird Al then, don't you? Because he's just <laughs> all about polkas. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as that accordion comes out, it's like, oh, I'm out, Weird Al. James, thanks for coming on. This was such a blast. I have in really enjoyed listening to your show. It's great. I When Matt reached out to me when you guys first got going... Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, we'd like to have you on. Uh, we record at 6.15 in the morning. I was like, uh. <laughs> I, and I think there was a part of me that was like, maybe they'll come around on the idea of doing some uh, evening recordings. We've done a couple James, of I've been, I've been hoping the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, is, it is me. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, I like to be a good dad. <laughs> yeah. And James, I mean, if you want to also, like, you've got your own podcast if you want to plug that i co-host the pack pride weekly podcast with Corey smith who runs pack pride and uh we record mondays over to medios uh best italian food uh sorry not throwing any sponsorship no go for it <laughs> so you record in the restaurant we do yeah that's so fun yeah yeah we have uh, a handful of folks that join us every week and some folks who join us on zoom as well and and it's a very small little community of folks who stick with us passionate and, community of yes folks. yes they have a lot of pack pride <laughs> but yeah it's a lot of fun I, and i've enjoyed podcasting but i, I really enjoy y'all's show and I'm, I'm so happy i could finally join you guys Thanks again to everyone for listening to Finest Work Songs. Uh, as always, you can engage with us on social media at Finest Work Songs on Twitter and uh, Instagram, and you can find us on Facebook as well. Please get those emails coming to us, finestworksongs at gmail.com. Who knows? Maybe your email will be read on a future installment of Kenny Gmail. We've got more fun coming up, but until then, we hope you keep dropping the deuce. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs>
Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. 